Welcome to the Entrepreneur Breakthrough Podcast with your host, Mark Marley, a former U.S. Marine turned serial entrepreneur and breakthrough coach. Each week, we bring you a message from an inspiring professional or interviews with successful people who've overcome challenges that may have stopped most entrepreneurs in their tracks. Those breakthrough moments are what this podcast is all about. Everyone, welcome back to the Entrepreneur Breakthrough Podcast. Have we got a treat for you today? We've got Barbara Sheehan. Sorry, Shrihans. Barbara's going to talk to us today about. I'm going to ask her a lot about her career, where she's going in her and her field, and she's got some interesting things that I've known about her so far from other people I've talked to. Some interesting tax strategies, and we'll try to get into some of that as well. But the first thing I'm going to do is kind of get to know who. Barbara is. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's wonderful. Awesome. I love it. I'm glad you're here. Uh, tell me about you. Like, who's Barbara? Like, who are you? And like, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, I have a family. I'm married, have three kids. We live in Tucson, Arizona. We love to travel. We're always all over the place. And I kind of built my company around my love for travel. So we're all remote. All of my employees are remote. So that's kind of cool. And we love being outside, outdoors. We just got back from a week in Sedona. So that was amazing. Um, So basically anything, travel, outdoors. I like to lift weights. Yeah. And save people money in taxes. I can relate to that. I mean, the lifting part. I mean, that's my daily routine. If I don't do that in the morning, I, I think I'm lost the entire day. Oh, I understand. It's it's how I get my mind focused is that that morning lift routine. Yeah. I compete in Olympic weightlifting. What? And you do? Yeah. So I like to lift heavy weights. My actually one of my team members is in town this week and I made her come to the gym with me. So that was fun. Wow. That's something I didn't know. Wow. Great. So how did you get into Olympic weightlifting? Just because you're a badass and you lift more than other girls and you just like stood out? Well, it started in CrossFit. I competed in CrossFit and um, competed for a while for probably like five or six years and then had my, well, no, I was competing before I had my youngest. So then I was like, I really just don't like cardio. Like I just want to do the weight part of CrossFit, not the cardio part of it. So then I just kind of quit CrossFit and just started doing weightlifting only. And then the last competition I did, I was actually pregnant and I didn't know I was pregnant at the time. Um, And so that's, that was my last one. That was four years ago. And now I just started getting back into like a competition mode and I'm going to compete in the masters, which is 35 and older. Wow. So how long do you have to train now until you compete? Three years. Three years. Yeah. Wow. The weightlifting that you're doing, see, I see people do different tie. I see people competing in, you know, the bikini shows that got, you know, huge muscles. And I got people who are like, I think there's some that are just stronger and they lift more and they get, so it's like, what's the competition that you do? Like what is it lifting? Is it strength? Is it heavy? Is it weight? Yeah. You're probably used to seeing like powerlifting. That is deadlift, mm-hmm. squats and bench. I do Olympic weightlifting. So it's just snatch and clean and jerk. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. So it's a lot like CrossFit yeah. right? as far as the same lifts, right? I see that. I see CrossFit, they do those same type of lifts. Yep. That's really cool. I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. Three years of training. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a long planner. That's one thing I'm not. (laughs) So one thing I know about you, first of all, Barbara and I, we we attend a, uh, I guess, a mastermind together. And one thing I noticed that when I hear you talk is I've seen you on stage. You've got these great ideas. You're saving people lots of money and getting people money back from the IRS. Awesome. But you said something I, I heard talking to someone. You said, well, I'm not your basic accountant. You know, we're not looking to do 
your bookkeeping and such example, your what is it? What is your strategy? Like, what do you do? Like, you're I, I, what I've heard from people is, you know, whatever she charges you, she's badass. She's worth it. She's gonna save you tons of money. But what is that? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, we really just dig into your business, whatever industry you're in. We dig into your books and we just find the tax codes that you're not already using. So there's hundreds of strategies that we use. So it really depends on what type of business and what you're already doing on your tax returns. But that's it. We're kind of like the the tax uh, detectives, you know, we just find ways for you to save money. And in turn, that allows us to charge a lot more money than a, than like your typical accountant, right? Because no one wants to just pay an accountant to like put numbers on a form and turn it in. Like that's not really sexy. But if you can say, hey, I'm going to save you 50 grand. Are you willing to pay $10,000 for that? $20,000 for that? And people are like, yeah, of course. Oh, wow. Right. And then you ongoing, do you continue to do work for them ongoing or do you just find the money and you kill it and leave? No, we, then we stay with them ongoing because tax laws change every year, right? There's always new loopholes. Um, there were new tax law changes for this year. So we're still implementing all of those for our strategy clients. So whether we're changing or their business is changing. So if your goals change, your strategies are going to change. Do you now want to sell your business? Do you, um, you know, are you going to hold it long term? So many different things. Are you adding real estate? Anytime you can not only just save money, but you can go back and get money back in the IRS typically. That's that's huge. And people are going to love that. Yes. So let me tell you about what our podcast does. What we do here, we like to just sit and chat, first of all, and kind of talk. And we want to talk about challenges that you're facing today, challenges you know somebody else is facing. But then we like to kind of work through those and try to solve them before the podcast is over. Uh, we don't solve all problems, but what we try to do is get together. Uh, I base it on a lot of uh, my background in growing businesses and scaling businesses. But going clear back to Napoleon Hill, we talked about the mastermind where, you know, anytime two people or more get together, you know, you basically compound the knowledge and results. So if we work through things, what I like to do is leave the episode with a plan of action, something that we can work on going forward to, you know, remedy the challenges that, that we're talking about. So that's what we like to do is just, and typically I don't know anything in advance about what the problem is. You know, I just, you know, throw it at me. Let's try to work through it and, and see, what, see what we can come up with. Yeah. So, so what is, um, like, what are you thinking about? We, I ask you to, and my, I ask people to come on and kind of share some challenges or problems or questions. And typically I get questions anywhere from business related, marketing, sales, personal stuff. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I ask, cause I ask the right, I ask questions and hopefully we can get through it. So what are you, what are you thinking? Like what kind of things are you facing right now? You're struggling to grow your business. Well, I think one is employees, right? But I think that's kind of like the U.S. as a whole right now is struggling to find the right team members would be one. But I think the main thing I would like to work through is we're scaling so fast. And we have we have 10 full time salaried employees. And I still find that everyone wants to talk to me, like all of our clients. And I'm really trying to get out of that role where our clients can trust the team and trust the process so that I can do like the CEO thing, right? I'm, I'll be on podcasts and then speaking and on stages and, and the marketing side, but that the clients still trust, trust the team and I'm not being for all the time. So what have you done up till now when, when people call you, your clients call you, what have you done to encourage them to call someone else? Yeah, well, I kind of set the standard. So right now clients still have their first call usually with me. 
And in that call, I kind of set the standard of, well, now you have Crystal that you're going to work with. She's my COO. She's like my right hand woman. She knows even more than I do. Um, And I like it that way. Like I want all of my team members to know more, um, you know, be more knowledgeable than I am. And so I kind of just set that standard at the beginning. Um, But I'd still like to like get rid of that first phone call, right? It like sucks up so much in my calendar. So why do you think it is that people want to talk to you only? Well, I think because they see like my name, my face on the company, which we really have tried to switch. Like if you look at our Instagram, a lot of our content is of the team and like we'll do videos with the team. And we even have like Takeover Tuesday where a team member will come on on Tuesdays and chat about some sort of tax or bookkeeping or finances type, type of stuff. And I have been setting more and more of those first phone calls with Crystal so that it's not so much with me. But but I also don't want it to be where I'm like so removed that like I still want customer service to be so good. So still keeping that like white glove service as we scale too. Like that white glove service. (laughs) So there's value in your first call for them because they're getting you. And your husband's involved in the company as well, correct? Not really. He kind of does other things. He like he'll handle our investments and our real estate. Like he's much more passionate about real estate stuff. Okay. Um, so he's not in the, the account. He's not actually after solving tax problems every day. No. Okay. All right. So you've got you, you've got Crystal, you got eight, you got 10 salary employees of all those employees. Are they all qualified to take that first call? Like technically wise or knowledge wise, or you, you feel comfortable that they will be able to handle that first call? Um, not at this point. Okay. Yeah. So the first call, what is the, I guess, the objective of the first call? It's really like getting to know their business, their goals, figuring out the strategies that we're going to use with them, which Crystal can do as well. Okay. So Crystal seems to be, at this point, the person that will probably take more of those calls. Uh, does she take those calls with you at this point? Or are you taking them at this point and hand them off to her afterwards? She, they go to number two and then Crystal handles all communication. Does Crystal also do the work or does she then use the other people in the company to do like the, you guys talk, you talk to them, you get a strategy, you hand it to her and she does something and does she reassign it to somebody else? Yeah. So it's kind of like I'm the initial call, just like getting to know the client, helping them feel supported letting them know their strategies. They go to Crystal for an implementation call. So Crystal will implement the strategies, just let them know of any kind of homework that they might have. But then the actual work, once Crystal has that phone call with them, is to the tax team to set up each of those strategies. And then the team will, we have a cool CRM system that houses all of our tax stuff, but then there's like a chat feature in there. So that's where all of our clients put their tax questions. So they could be like, Hey, what about this? Or, Hey, I'm at the car dealership. How do I buy my car and my business? You know, and the tax team will answer those two questions. So there's a lot of value there. The tax team has that value. So does the tax, once you talk to them, learn about their company, Crystal then talks to them, implementation, tells them what you're going to be doing, gives them any homework, the tax team's assigned. Does the tax team ever contact her directly, the the clients directly? Or once they solve the challenges and they get the results and they save the money, does that go back to Crystal or to you to contact the client to tell them the good news or the bad news? Um, We're switching it more and more to the tax team. So like right now it's tax season, right? So we're like neck deep in tax returns. So the tax team will message the client. Hey, we've started your tax return. We'll let you know if we have any questions. Um, so that they get to know the tax team as well. Another thing with strategy is we have the, their quarterly calls just to like check in and the tax team will slowly take over those just because the more they get to know the clients, the more comfortable they'll feel taking those quarterly calls. So I think it will 
Yeah, that's an important thing. Quarterly calls are huge. I was, we're going to talk about that. I was going to bring that up anyways. But so now you're doing quarterly calls. So the people that the clients you're bringing on, those are retainer clients typically. They what one year agreement essentially, basically to start with. Yep. So one year contracts higher fee because that's kind of like their implementation fee. And then after a year, it goes to a much smaller fee to just maintain their strategies or if tax laws change or things like that. How documented is the call process? Like what you talk about, what information you want, what you want to relay in that first call. The first call seems like a sales call almost where you're basically, they're calling you, you're going to find about their business, but you're also going to get them commit to doing something. We just hired like a quote unquote salesperson. We don't call him that. He's the director of first impressions, but like it. <laughs> it's it's slowly going to where you know a client will say yes with him and then they'll kind of move down the process so I will slowly not be doing like it won't be a sales call essentially what was your other question though the documentation of the call that you have it's not I mean I have recordings of some so that members can see it but it's not like written to paper so it's not something you scripted out and there's not specific things that you want to know are there, can you put your finger on, say, say two, three, five, whatever pieces of information you want to get from them in that call Yeah, that you have to get every time? Yeah. Do you, are you then the new director of first impressions? At this point, you're qualifying or disqualifying as well. So you, do you have enough information usually in that first call that you can help people determine pretty much if you can help them or not? Or like, hey, I probably can't get you any money back just based on what you've told me. Or do you go further or do you take everybody through the whole process of onboarding to find out? No, before they even meet with me, we qualify them. So when you get into our CRM system, we have you upload three years of tax returns. And so I already know on the first call how much we can save them. Okay. Because we don't even get on a phone call with someone unless we know that okay. they'll qualify. Are you doing that first appraisal, that first analysis as well? Mm-hmm. Is that something as you move out of this role, is that analysis, that initial analysis, is that still going to remain you? Hopefully not. Is it pretty black and white as far as how you can determine if you if you can work for them or not? Yeah. Yeah. It's something I want to train our director of first impressions on so that he can, he can have those numbers when he's on the call with them. Okay. So they're going to upload those documents in the CRM regardless. You're going to review those documents if, even during that first initial meeting. When you look at this director of first impressions, impressions then you got you then you got crystal then you got the team the way you see it coming forward will that person replace you from that initial call will they hand off directly to crystal mm-hmm. so that person is going to take those calls is a director in first impression is that a tax person as far as background they understand the code or tax or at all no but they they were on strategy calls for months so he understands like the process and, and how we work and how we can get the tax savings enough to say, hey, we know we can save you 30 grand in taxes or whatever the number is. But then once they move, you know, his job is really like, hey, this is what we can save you. Do you want to move forward? And then Crystal's job is to like get into the nitty gritty with the strategies. Okay. Now the commitment comes hopefully from him before it gets to you, before it gets to Crystal. So the commitment to work with you. So he, someone's going to determine, he's going to get the documents, you're going to review those. He's going to get, so somehow they're going to apply, they're going to upload, somebody's going to create the, create the account in the CRM. He's going to upload documents prior to talking to your director that point you're going to then you review the process and then at that point he will have the conversation which then explains what they can say see they're interested get a commitment movement to crystal a lot of moving parts there um i'm trying to picture how there's a lot of moving a lot of step a lot of moving parts 
Do you, how do they know to upload their documents? Where's that come from? Our CRM system has pipelines that are automated. So anyone that says, hey, we'd like to have a call with you or we want to work with you or anything like that, they get a link. The link walks them through. So they get a username and password. It'll say, welcome. These are all of our services with our fees on there. So they already know our fees. Um, And then it'll say, can you upload your last three years tax return so we can calculate a tax savings for you before you even get on the phone? Um, And then that's. That's how Brandon will get on the phone with. Do you have any video integrated into that onboarding process each step of the way? I'm recording it today. You are? Yeah. Awesome. So what what do you envision? Where are you implementing video in that process? Yeah, there'll be just kind of like an intro video of who we are as a firm and what we do, the value. Um, And then they'll also have it. We're also recording videos for our strategy clients. So it's like, if you have this strategy, watch this video, just so they're like more informed. If you have this strategy, watch this video on it. So they're going to make some notes here real quick. Uh, so you're going to have video. So they're going to somehow they're going to raise their hand through a funnel or something. They're going to find you. At that point, they're going to say, I want to work with you. So somehow they're going to generate the lead. Automation, They stuff takes place. They start getting emails with asking for documents. And then they also then get videos in that whole process, your funnel process that explains each who you are, each step of the way, kind of pre-sells what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like that. That'll maybe. So where do you see that saving time? I don't know that that video will save time. It's just more of like helping new clients feel at ease with working with us because we're getting more and more people come in. Like at first, I would say like 99% of our clients were coming in from Instagram. So they already know us, like us, trust us. They watch my stories every single day. They already know they want to work with us. Now it's more of like someone in a mastermind group knows someone and they're like, hey, you need to work with Barbara. And they know nothing about us. And then they're just like put in the CRM system and they're like, well, we don't even know what you do. Do you ask questions in that group in that series of processes as well? Or is let them to almost qualify themselves before they get to Brandon? Yeah. So there's a prospect organizer. So they'll put, you know, name, email, phone number, but they'll put their um estimated annual profit they have to check a box that's that's like yes i'm willing to pay you know your minimum fee blah 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 so yeah they qualify themselves okay yeah i like what you're doing i hear you're thinking ahead on this automation so i'm trying to figure out what i totally understand the process and how you come out of this because you're still doing the qualification even though they're uploading documents brandon's handling it just doing what brandon is going to be doing probably takes what do you think 30 40 percent of your give your 30 percent back based on just not being on that first call how do you feel about brandon doing this do you think that with him and being on the calls being the training do you feel that your close ratio for you doing it compared to brandon is going to be different i think potentially it could be different we have had him on the calls for really like March was his first month of actually doing it himself and sales were still pretty good. So I think we'll analyze it more after tax season when we have a little more time. But for the clients that should be strategy clients, like we're getting them as strategy clients. It just might be like the tax prep only people or the bookkeeping only people that we aren't necessarily closing. But the strategy clients, I think his close rate is pretty good. Okay, that's awesome. So you have different levels of support that you're offering now. Is that right? Yeah, not everyone's going to want, not everyone's going to like be at a place for strategy because we want to make sure, like strategy is 24000 bucks. So you want to make sure that you're getting at least $24,000 of tax savings. And not everyone's going to have that, but everyone needs a tax return. So that's why we have just tax prep clients. We can still 
pay them some money just based on how we do things, but they're not going to be like a full-blown strategy client. Right. Okay. So you're getting people in at some point and the goal is going to be to help them grow their business to the point they are strategy clients. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal is to get everybody moved up to that. Probably most people moved up to that level to where it's more recurring revenue, more than just taxes. Yeah. What piece of this seems like it's not going to, I'm trying to figure there's something about the flow between Brandon and Crystal. Trying to figure out what piece now we have to have you into because you're going to do the behind the scenes work anyways. You're for a while you're doing or somebody you're going to do the analysis, find out now. Are there key things that somebody could plug into a calculator, either like one of your staff members, like Brandon, or even a, in your CRM, a questionnaire or in the funnel process that would give you the indication whether or not they are going to be a fit. Like, could they do a, a calculation? Yeah, we have everything templated and then it already calculates it. Yeah, we have. Best pipelines. Okay. So before, because if they're uploading the documents, but they're also answering questions about what's on tax return. So you're seeing those without having to go through the tax return yourself. Those are calculating based on what they enter into the CRM in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. So you know ahead of time, you score everybody basically coming in. So when you get on the call, so at this point now, seems to me, tell me if you agree, seems to me you're on the calls more of a comfort level call. Because I think, honestly, I, I see some trust you have in Brandon. I see that once you hand off the crystal, I think your hands off at that point, still trying to understand a little more detail, like why you're still on the calls today. That's what I'm not sure about. I just want clients to still feel, I want them to always feel supported. And I like want all of their questions answered. And I want like amazing customer service because most accounting firms suck at that stuff. So I always want to like have that. I think. Because here's what I'm saying. I see this with other accounts. We, we, we support other accounting firms. I own a technology company. We do. We offer uh, cloud-based services primarily to accounting firms and healthcare companies. We are cloud-based and we do compliance and, you know, for cybersecurity. And a lot of my accounting clients, I see this. Like the accountants in general, you're not that typical accountant by all, any means. Just like people tell me, they, they don't know I'm an IT guy. It's like, there's no way you're not that IT guy. It's like, you know, it's, it's just, we're different. We're out, we're outgoing. We like to talk to people. But I believe that, first of all, most of your, I say a large portion of your clients come to you through referrals, especially in the, the group we're in now. I mean, I hear every time we get together somewhere at the bar or the meeting, they're talking, about, hey, you got to talk to Barbara. Our Barbara just saved me X amount of numbers, dollars. I'm like, wow. So you're getting people pre-qualified anyways. And then the people, like you said that earlier, one thing you said was people follow my stories every day. So people know you, they know your personality, they know the company. My thing is I don't, I can't see where people would have reluctance by not talking to you. I'm also thinking, as I think through this whole process, because I've done this, I've separated myself. I don't take calls. I haven't taken a call in my company in, gosh, seven or eight years. It has to get through a lot of people to get to me. Uh, it's, the, it's not that I don't want to talk to my clients, but I'm trying to grow something here and I'm busy. And sometimes you know, one of my guys are on vacation or whatever. And I grab a call and my clients are like, wow, what is this? I mean, how'd I get, how'd I get you? And that's the thing. Cause they, they've got to point in the beginning, they expected it. I was always on the call and you've done the right things. I was going to suggest where you've brought, you know, you bring crystal in, you, you're training Brandon. And one thing that I always did early on when I was transitioning away from calls, because for years it was just me anyways. And then I started bringing on staff and one thing I noticed was they always felt like, well, I can ask my whether well, text my tech the question, but Mark always knows the answer. So what I was finding was, and you may not have this challenge, but people, my staff was telling my clients, hey, well, let me go ask Mark and something. We'll figure out the details. They come back. They're like, well, why would I ask you if you had to ask him anyways? So what I started doing several years ago was I started telling my clients 
no, first of all, you need to talk to Josh or whatever. But what I would do is I would give them the answer, work through the details, make sure my technician understood the process. Then I would go back, have them answer it, but take the credit. So when my client asked me about it, I'd be like, you know what? I didn't even hear about it. You know, he didn't even bring it to me this time. So I always push the credit back to them, no matter what it was. And I, I finally got to a point, I probably lost a few clients over it because they want to deal with me. But I got to a point where I took a risk and I said, I let my, all of my clients, someone felt like, hey, you know, Mark doesn't give a crap about my business anymore because he's not listening to the details. And I finally convinced my clients that you're much better off if I'm not doing it daily. Because I, you know, I, I, I finally explained to them in my quarterly meetings, which are very important. I'm glad you're doing those, that my role in this company has changed. And because of great clients like you, we're growing, which takes my role needs to be focused on that growth and maintaining the quality we've always delivered while we're growing and scaling. If I continue to do what I've done in the past, there's no way we're going to scale. Or if we do, the quality service has to drop off. So I just relate to my clients. That's, that's why. And there's very few people today. I had a few for a while that just want to talk to me. But after a while, even they got to the point, like, whenever they would ask me a question, I'd have to almost act like I didn't know. Like, oh, well, I don't know the answer to that question. Let me uh, let me get you somebody. And then I did. I shoot them an email later. And it's like, hey, did they solve that for you? Well, I know what happened was I solved it for my guy. He he answered. He answered the question. But then when the, I follow up the client, I, I, I handed it off. I'm not sure what happened. How, how'd it go for you? They don't need to know. Bottom line is I helped my clients build trust in my team to the point where now they don't need me. And it worked out well. I think the video you're doing, the engagement is, is really the answer for this. Because based on what they're answering, they get a different video or, or you suggest a video, for example. So if they, if they get on your, into your funnel, your sales process, your pipeline, whatever you have, as they answer questions, is it interactive enough to put them into the right video based on an answer to a prior question? We could figure that out. Good. Because, yeah, because we have a solution for that too. But that's one of the key things is to keep them engaged, answer the questions they have, build the confidence in your team. I like what you're doing as far as you talked about Takeover Tuesdays. So what was your, what was the mission, your goal of Takeover Tuesdays? Yeah, really so that clients or, you know, anyone on Instagram can see the team and how each person's role and each person can drop their own little tips and tricks or um, just their personality, show what they do throughout the day, um, show how they help clients. And so really, so it's that no like trust factor, but with the team. Okay. I like that. So they're actually delivering some value bombs tax strategies on in the uh, in the in the videos or on social media they're actually you're having your team deliver some of those bombs as well so it's not like barbara's the only person with the mm-hmm. ideas it's uh the team has the ideas yeah yeah exactly and even like yesterday's takeover tuesday was our we have an in-house content creator she does all of our video photography all of that and so it was hers and it's like hey what what questions do you have about uh, the content process right because all of our followers are business owners they all need content themselves so even though we're not dropping like tax tips and tricks you know she can she can drop some instagram you know how to grow your instagram tips or or we will ask them what reels do you want to see about tax deductions and then we can create reels about that. So yeah. I like that. I, I like what you're doing. I think you're really, you've got the right strategy. I like what you're doing, integrating other people, getting less and less. There's got to be some days probably, I haven't followed you that closely yet on, on uh, Instagram, especially, but the days where you're not even posting, you know, they're posting and they get all that confidence. You're the, you're still the face. They still see you. You're still the person out there doing strategy, but you know, you've, you're really promoting your team as as a solution. Yeah. I love that. That's the goal. And if Brandon can continue to deliver the value that you deliver, can you, do you, so what Brandon's doing, I asked originally about the call structure that you do. He's been on calls, 
but is there a certain thing that you can document that he needs to cover on every call? Yeah, that's what we need to do. Because what I'm thinking about here is planning. I think, um, who was it? Um, Dan Kennedy, I believe said, I think it was Dan. One is the worst number in business. And I think one of anything is bad. So I th- I think it's an opportunity with you bringing Brandon on at this point to replace you that you can have a model built out with training, with videos, with onboarding, with you know somewhat of a script per se, so that you can replicate Brandon because Brandon's doing a good job now. Now, what I'm thinking is the way that you're doing the social media and you're posting and the way that you're you're building this company is you're going to need another Brandon. Mm-hmm. And we, what we, we don't want to do is take another three to six months of Barbara's time out of growth to train Brandon number two. And we don't want to slow Brandon down either. Yeah. So my thought is right now, while Brandon's new, it's an opportunity for him that to do a lot of documentation process. Document what you've learned, document how you do it, document how you say, and then you review it, add to it, and basically you're creating this training manual for the next generation of Brandon, which could be next week, could be next year, we don't know. But the way you're growing, because what I don't want to happen, what I, I, fork, I kind of see this happening, is that Brandon does a really good job. Business is coming in, but he can't keep up, so who picks up the slack? Who do you think, who would typically pick it up? Well, unless... <laughs> We have another brand. When we brought him on, though, it was like it, it was going to be commission only position, right? But we we told him, "Hey, we'll pay you a salary for six months and commission because you like you will be like the sales leader eventually." But you need processes and procedures in place so that when we do hire more salespeople, you you already have that documented. So yeah, we did we did think about that, and he's creating that whole process. How do you review him? Do you review every call, some calls, weekly? What? How do you review what he's doing and his calls? We have not. Have you ever listened to his calls? Nope. <laughs> uh, does your phone system allow that recording of calls? Yeah. Has he listened to his calls? I don't think so. I know that's one of the, it's the toughest thing to do is listen to yourself, but I find that he'll learn a lot from it because he'll, he'll start hearing things on the second time he hears it, he didn't hear the first time. Like subtleties of things he said or how he said it, things they said back, things he missed. So I would suggest one thing is in particular is just have him start listening to some of his calls, but also you go back and, you know, set aside some time in your box scheduling every week to listen to, you know, maybe parts of three calls or something just so you can kind of hear, you know, what he's asking, because I think you're so good at it that. I think it's the subtleties of how you say things to people that you have your confidence. And if you can pick up little things that he is saying and you can say, hey, you know what? You might think about you said this. What if you changed it to ask this question this way? Because what I think it's going to do is two things. It's going to improve the results that Brandon gets, but it'll also give you the confidence that he's doing it the way that you feel is adequate. Because without you hearing what's going on in those calls, you're still going to have some sort of doubt. And the only measurement you have at this time is the close ratio. Do you think it would help you to understand, I guess, to have more confidence in taking yourself out if you did hear, yeah. you know, some of what he is saying? And I don't know if you have, you don't probably need a lot of time to do that because, I mean, the, how long are the calls typically? It all depends. I mean, some can be 15 minutes, some are an hour. Okay. So you can easily throw an hour a weekend and listen to part of a couple of calls. And that's awesome. Yeah. And then you can also pick some of those calls out and save them, you know, export them out of your system and use them for training calls. If they're really, maybe something he closes, something that sounds really perfect, export those calls out, include them into your learning system so that the new people who are training behind Brandon can actually listen to live calls. Too. And that just helps. Hey, this is a good call. Brandon did this. He did great. And, and you, you can start giving, you know, give the people, you know, a handful of calls. 
I think, so that they can use that for training purposes too. And I think what you'll, you might find just little subtleties in his tone, in his voice, how he asks a question, okay. but also what I'm looking for, if I'm listening to those calls, I'm looking for confidence because the clients pick up on your confidence. And if there's anything about the company or the process that he's weak on or unsure of, the client's going to pick up on that lack of confidence. And I think that's why they're always going to want to talk to you and you can improve those things just by polishing it. And yeah, this other thing, uh, so how do you feel about that? I mean, do you feel confident now that yeah. more confident that you've got <laughs> this beat? You don't have to be on the cause. What are you going to do differently going forward? Um, well, we definitely need to get the scripts out better, have that review process of his calls, but I'm just excited to free up my schedule a bit. I need to write some books, you know? <laughs> yeah, you do. You got to write a book to write. Yeah, so do I. I have a podcast to start. Yes. That's the funnest thing is the podcast. It's great. And then you got to find more staff as you grow. Yeah. That's the biggest challenge. You know, I have, I have a staffing company too, and we're finding some high end people, but you'd be surprised what we were finding. They're not, they're not U.S. based typically because it's hard to find a lot of people in the U.S. who want to work or are available to work. I'm not sure where all the people are at right now who used to work, I know. but they're, it's very difficult to find. And I'm in the process right now. I'm interviewing, hiring a position right now for us, but I'm finding, you know, high end CPAs you know, that are just phenomenal for like tax prep and those kind of things. And you can offload a lot of that work. The key is, I think a lot of this, if you start outsourcing to, you know, offshore, there's a, there's a ways you can do it securely, but you've got to be secure. You got to make sure that, you know, you're monitoring, make sure they have, you know, limited access to clients' data on need to know basis only. And there's a lot of things that, you know, we do that our, our accountants do that so they can use overseas help. Yeah, we did it for one tax season. And I just wouldn't do it again. Like we're not that tax firm that has easy tax returns that can easily be outsourced. We're just like, we're so with our clients and like, it's a partnership, you know, that I just don't want to outsource this. I'd rather pay more for US employees. And that's a challenge. You should be able to find them as you get more aggressive because you got some flex, everybody works from home. That's great. Yeah. And you provide, you know, training and it's a fun environment. It's a growing company. You should be able to find those people. Yeah. So. Where have you looked for? Where, where have you been looking for, Matt? Have you been actively looking on line or something? We have a recruiter. She's awesome. Um, so we're hiring for two positions right now: an OBM and a tax manager. But tax manager, we probably won't find till right after four fifteen. That's when everyone typically quits their their accounting firm. They're like, I'm done with tax. I'm out. Well, won't they at least wait till property taxes are done? Come on. Yeah. Because yeah, four fifteen is a big day. Then they're always then they're always they take a week off, like my CPAs, and they go back into property taxes, and you know, then once that's done, then they take a week off and go somewhere. So the uh, the OBM is that is that the uh, yeah is that the customer service person? What's the OBM? Online business manager. So anything processes, procedures, software. Um, we also host retreats, financial retreats. And so someone that can plan events, super detail oriented. We have an executive assistant, but we just need someone that's a little more systems and processes. So you're looking for essentially, uh, you're looking for a Thomas essentially for your business that really a business manager. Yeah. That's a tough position. That's one of the toughest, you know, to fill, you know, I know a lot of people looking to fill that position, that CF, that COO, the operations person. And you're basically the online business manager is basically that to help manage your processes and your systems and take that off of your plate. Don't you have one now who's online entirely? You had one originally that was online, like a, a remote online business manager. I I was like, she was, she had her own company. And so then we just kind of outgrew what she could handle. You know, I really need a full-time in-house person. Right. And your recruiters look, looking for that role too. Yeah. Yeah. She messaged me last night. She said they've gotten some really good leads. So it'll go through like, I'm like the fourth interview. So oh, that's good. 
bad ones. <laughs> oh, oh, good. That's great. It's, those are, I know they're tough roles to fill. So the other ones are tax preparers. Tax, are those going to be enrolled agents, basically, just for your tax managers? Uh, tax manager, that one needs to be a CPA. Yeah. Cool. Well, that sounds great. I'm really uh, glad I got to talk to you. I like what you're doing. I love the way you're implementing. I like the way you're trying to get yourself out of that key role. I like how you, there's a, the automation you're doing is, is really impressive. I like the video. I like the way you're bringing Brandon in. And yes. You're building the company in, in, correctly. Thanks. We're trying. So not a lot of suggest not a lot of suggestions there, but I like what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. So was, um, anything else that you want to talk about or bring up before we leave? We hang up? I don't think so. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. I see you this week, actually, at our next event. Yeah. And if I, I'll also keep referring people to you because Thank you. I need to get my stuff over to you, too, because I hear people saying great things about you. Yeah, I'd be happy to see how much we can save you. Awesome. Sounds great. I'm going to end this call and uh, appreciate you uh, coming on our podcast. Have a great day. <laughs> You've been listening to the Entrepreneur Breakthrough Podcast. Our passion is to teach entrepreneurs that there is light at the end of the tunnel, learning from some of the most successful entrepreneurs, people who've overcome insurmountable obstacles. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from it. Make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, follow Mark on Instagram at Mark Marley. See you next time.